0: HR Talk with Ricky Bias
1: and JC. Enjoy the show. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back—the best human resource podcast in the entire world—coming at Hello. you live today. HR Talk. I'm JC. It's my pleasure to be back. We're going to be talking about that coming up momentarily. Please welcome to the show the man the myth the legend the guest of the show today my co-host in crime Ricky Byers. Hello, hello. How and you doing? Back. It feels good. It feels good to be back to normal. Do you know why? Why? Because you're the guest on my show today. Yeah. HR talk is our show, and it's good to be back with you, Rick. Let me tell you something. It's been a um. It's been a long run. It's been a long run. It's been a crazy time. Yeah? What'd you do? It's not about what I did, but more importantly, to start things off today, it's about what you have to say.
2: Folks well, let like see life from another perspective.
1: They can expand the mind and awareness. These are inspirational quotes.
0: It's Hikki bite.
3: You go to the fridge and you grab the jug of milk and you use just enough to leave half an inch left. Don't put it back in the fridge.
1: I'm gone for three weeks, come back, and you're talking about don't put the milk back in the fridge after you dry. You're kidding me. You know what, though? That is fantastic advisement. There's nothing worse. The worst. So
3: that just happened to me yesterday. I okay. opened the fridge. There's a centimeter left. I'm like, why? Why <laughs> Why couldn't you just pour this in there? There is no reason why this should be in here with so little uh, <laughs> liquid in there. It was. It's horrible. Yeah, it's they're, they're
1: after you. It's a plan. It's a conspiracy. No, it is a conspiracy.
3: I knew it. I knew there's somebody in there who does it just to piss me off.
1: It's a conspiracy of the kind where where people are gonna sit back and wonder whether or not you have been colluding with Russia. That's all. <laughs> so yeah, hey, I stepped away for the uh, US elections. I I stepped away due to the potential perception of media influence. And let's be honest for both of you listening, who are we gonna <laughs> influence, you know, but whatever. Two and uh listen in hindsight it was a good choice it was a bad choice so all at the same time Rick why I I love how we test the audio before the show and your audio level is spot on then we start and you get introspective and quiet <laughs> you're killing me with your levels today why no. I'm gonna tell you right now um when, when things kicked off and and the elections were getting hot and heavy there uh, there was uh there was a job that I was applying for at the same time. Okay, and it would have put me in a position more in the public eye in a day job perspective. For anyone listening right now, if you don't know, we don't get paid for HR talk. We we do this out of our hearts for you. That's right. Out of our heart. So that's why, you know, when you're thinking about paying the bills, you're like, you know, let me do the right thing. Let me step away and eliminate any potential perception of what could be viewed or misconstrued as attempting to influence a political perspective. Now for anyone that knows or has listened to the program, Rick and I really don't get into politics, even though the two of us don't see eye to eye on political issues and things might be thread in there as we talk about stuff. Ultimately at the end of the day, it's all about cooking meat, drinking beer and having good times. Right. And, and complaining about work at the same time. Right. So, so I made the choice to walk away, Rick. And during that time frame, um, I learned a lot about myself and I learned a lot about the stuff around me. I'll be talking oh. about that coming up momentarily. But the walking away piece, it was weird. And and the reason why I say it is this. Things were flaring up in the media left and right. Everyone's so exhausted right now talking about election this, election that. So much so to the point that we're We're, we're fried. We're fried. You know, some people are are living and dying by it, and and the anxiety is building. But at the same time, other people are just letting it go, listening to their favorite band, and back to drinking a beer. It's all good. Whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen. I, as of right now, on this show, I don't care who's winning or who's losing, because the biggest loser right now is is the person out there that's living and dying by that and and hating the other people to their left and right. There you go. You're a loser. And for those people out there that look at others and tell them stupid things like get out of your head, you're a loser too. Don't be a loser. Be better. Be with us on HR Talk. Anti-losers. So, That's what we are. So here's my gig, man. Um uh-huh. eliminated the perspective, eliminated the 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 uh the perceived notion of influence. And during that time, I talked to other people that are avid on social media that have their own podcasts that do other things. And a lot of them were doing the same thing. A lot of people, believe it or not, we're going silent due to cancel culture, due to fear in the workplace, due to fear in, in many different ways. Yeah. You got the, uh, the amendments behind you for freedom of speech, etc. But ultimately, retaliation at work is a real thing, man. It, it really, really is. is. And, yep. and people talk about EEOC and they talk about, like, doing the right thing and stepping up and having a voice and this and that. It's friggin' easier said than done. What are you going to do? You're going to go without a paycheck for two to three years while you're accruing legal fees to try to get your job back to then get the job and get back in there and be in a position after you've made a complaint to where you're probably never going to get promoted again anyway. So that's another form of retaliation. But then how are they ever going to prove that? it's a slippery slope yep. do you work for yourself do you work for the people do you work for do you work for the mob basically i mean <laughs> ultimately at the end of the day inside workplaces rick uh, and we've talked about the different ways you could build your culture build your leadership styles etc but truly unless you got an entire organization or you have a big come-to-Jesus meeting because you really do have a backbone and people skills, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of people in between that are not going to change. Correct. And they're going to hold people back, and they're going to create problems. There were problems I didn't need, so I walked away. And guess what? I gave everyone fair warning that I was coming back, so don't be shocked. I'm here right now.
3: I was going to say, hold on. You walked away temporarily. I don't want people to think that you just walked away completely from the show. You walked away temporarily, but it's people do, uh, really do understand. I understand why. It's just, I just think it's sad that we are in a place today that people have to do that. People can be themselves. People can have can voice their own ideas without any kind of issues they have to worry about that might impact their livelihood. And I get it. it, it, it it's uh, There's a lot of organizations out there that don't allow that. There is a lot of people out there who really live off of that cancel culture if the other side, the other operating uh, system doesn't really coincide with their operational beliefs. So it's sad. I'm glad we're kind of chipping away at that. I don't want to call it. Well, no, yeah, yeah. I'm glad that we are chipping away at that issue. But at some point, I really want to be alive. I really want to be around where people can express their beliefs. They can express their ideology without any issues. And we can still have a beer afterwards. Right. It, it, so so I get you. And, and I'm sure everybody understands why you walked away temporarily. Well, so it's also a fine
1: line, too, where you have to make a decision as to whether or not you're going to be sticking around with an organization at the end of the day. So uh, did I sell my soul? As I was applying for this new position, did I sell myself too far up the river? Some say, yeah. Some say you went maybe a little bit too far trying to define yourself and get it into your own head. Maybe you defined yourself a little bit too conveniently for their needs or tried to reshape yourself in such a way. Let me tell you something for anyone that doesn't know. I, I had this interview it was maybe a two to three months back, six months back, something like that. It was a very long time ago in a land far, far away. And when that happened, okay, and I was done. I had a good vibe. Do you know why, Rick? Why? I was myself. Boom. I went in there with the knowledge, information, and everything at hand. And sometimes you can't put a square peg into a round hole. Sometimes people haven't evolved with their thought process when it comes to to hiring. Maybe they sit down with the checklist and they say we have to specifically meet criteria and check these boxes instead of actually having a conversation between two humans in regards to emotional intelligence. And let me tell you something. How do you quantify emotional intelligence when you're talking about data and metrics? Well, there's ways to do it. But it's not easy. How how do you make the person to your left or right feel? The person that you just interacted with how do you put a good face or a good spin on things? Let me tell you all about me and how that happens. That's great. End of the day. If you can't show me a number related to that, I think you're lying. Yeah, that's, (laughs) that's kind of messed up. You know what I mean? (laughs) So, so on one hand, scientific proven theory, quantitative, qualitative data and analytics on the other side, emotional intelligence, awareness, leadership, people skills, whatever. End of the day. I, I faced what I faced as myself, and here's where it all comes full circle. In one of the last shows that I was on, Ricky had asked me about, uh, about school. It was an innate conversation, something that we actually wound up editing out. To so the average listener, you didn't even know anything transpired. He asked me, what do you think you learned in school? And I was twisted up in such a bad way. I was in this place in my head where I didn't want to talk about school. I don't have a doctorate. I might be applying for something and going up against someone that, that does have a doctorate. I have other skills that come to the table. But when you continually have pressure and, and, and perceived or, or inferred threat or fear, that you're never going to be good enough because what we're looking for is this. And the doctoral candidate and the, the this documentation and they check the boxes and they can do this. And then you turn to your left and right and now that's that's behind you and you're you're with some other folk and you've got this thing jammed in your skull. And you can't let it go. and And someone asks you something very simple about school and you turn back and you say, no, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to get into it. I don't want to head down that path. I did that to Ricky. You didn't get to hear that as the listener. We edited that out because it was awkward. It was strange. We should not have. We should have left that in. And here's why. Let it be at work, in your personal life, wherever you are. It should never come to that. It should never come to that. Am I wrong, Rick? You're not wrong.
3: You're right. It, it, it should not come to that at all because you, you should be able to have those conversations. You you, you should be able to get riled up. You should be able to let that emotional engine run without any kind of an issues as a result. Now, here's what I have been telling people. If you do voice out those opinions, if you do have that kind of rationale and people showing you out because of it, they weren't really your friends to begin with. And I want to touch on something that you just said that people need to really understand. You said that, I don't know if you said for the first time, but for this particular interview, you felt good because you were. It wasn't
1: just feeling good. And and by the way, I've listened to the past few shows as well. I understand like the, you know, the normal discussion between like two people on a show. I expect you to continue to interrupt me. Get out of your shell again. Come on back. Let's have that radical (laughs) candor interruption and discussion, because that's how people talk. People don't always wait for the other person to finish talking. Sometimes, kind of should on. though. Well, you kind of should, <laughs> but come on. Let's be realist about this.
3: I get it. I get it. No, All right. No, so yeah,
1: that that was one of the first times that yeah. I actually—not the only time. There were three other times I could remember, but I got done, and I felt so comfortable, so confident, just because I was myself. And I remember saying to myself, "Self," and I—I I actually did this. I looked in the it mirror. Was like- do that. Okay, got it. With a voice like this, you definitely talk to yourself. That's all I'm going to say. So I said... You kind of have to, if there's a (laughs) face like that attached to it. So you kind of have to overcompensate somehow.
3: Okay, go ahead.
1: (laughs) So I said to myself, self, no matter what happens, I feel good. Because I walked in there, and I wasn't just JC. I I was also the JC of HR talk. I was also Mm. myself. I was genuine. I laid it on the table. And if what I'm selling, what I'm pitching, and what I'm bringing to the table doesn't meet what you're looking for, so be it. I already got a job. I've got people knocking on the door to take me other places right now. Whether or not I go is going to be a different story. That's a decision to be made. So if you want to lose a rock star, I mean, that's up to you, you know? But, but hey. you know what, JC? But,
3: dude, look, it's and I'm glad you felt that way. I think it sucks that it turned out the other way that you was expecting, but I, it, it, it's, it's perfectly normal for a human being to feel defeated, to feel pegged down after that kind of an experience. What I want people to know is that it's perfectly okay if you feel that good and you don't get that interview. Don't You don't want to force a relationship. It's got to come organically. It's like trying to find a spouse, right? Could you imagine trying to find a husband or a wife and you see that that husband and wife, they're a meth addict, they got all kinds of issues, they beat up their partners, they've been arrested, their credit score is negative 200, and you ask them out on a date, they say no, and you feel bad because of it? <laughs> no, how is this any different? No, then if they don't want you in their environment, then it's their loss, generally speaking. Right. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, is that that energy, that enthusiasm, that 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 authentic feeling that people get when they go into an interview, do not let an interview change that you should let that change an interview. And it's going to get a couple of those interviews for you to get to that point. So don't stop that fight brother keep that going and telling you good things are going to come out
1: it's a, it's a weird world out there though when when you do truly try to blend you know the the world of numbers and quantitative qualitative analysis and in and, and the way that different people think about things it's it's neither here nor there I'm past it yeah. but but my point here to bring everything full circle because of these events that were behind the scenes and because of everything that I was up against it all led into part of the reason why I walked away during the election time. I didn't want anything coming back on me. Now, in hindsight, it didn't matter. It didn't matter one single iota. It had zero bearing. The stars already aligned in a different way. You, uh, you've been busy. Something good? Something good. You have an offer? No,
3: no, 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 no. I'm just saying, you know, if the stars don't align now, at some point they are going to
1: align, we just don't know when that is. Well, I'm going to tell you about an alignment. There was a, um, there was someone that I came across on Instagram, HR talk actually came across this individual on Instagram and she's, uh, she's in Florida. I've been going back and forth with her. She's going to be on the program a little bit later on, uh, probably later this year or early next year. Not today. Um, fantastic individual. Great story. Um. She does a lot for women, empowerment, uh, a, a lot in regards to her own personal story and struggles as well. And uh, it kind of leads into a theme that I think that uh, could help wrap up every year of the program. I'll be revealing that in the weeks to come. And Ricky, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that off air uh, later on. So it's I've, I've traded good stories with people over the past few weeks. Got to, got to meet a lot of people digitally, you know, a lot of people in person. Uh, Come to learn as well that New York State will continue to be locked down. So so you basically need a uh, health passport to enter the state and exit now, you know.
3: I love it. Yeah. yeah,
1: Well, you have to have a COVID test at least two days prior to flying in. And then when you're here, you have to get a test right away or you quarantine for 14 days. Or if you get the test, you're only quarantining for like four to five to 10 days, depending on the test. And on and on and on. And, and you know what? You turn on the TV, you see rallies, you see people together. No one's wearing a mask. None of it matters, <laughs> so you know? <laughs> and, and, and I'm watching the TV last night. And I, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, holy smokes. Do you remember back in the day, there was that one lady, she would come on the tube, and uh, the music would get real somber. And she'd be like, for only 23 cents a day, you too <laughs> could feed a starving child in Africa. And they would go on about these things, right? Yeah. Right? How are they doing? We don't hear about them anymore. I'm not just talking about whether or not they're still starving. What I'm talking about is what about COVID? You know, it's
3: nobody visits them, so I don't think there's any issues of COVID going over there, right? Or, or what about
1: like over in India, where where you've got billions of people all together? Yeah, true. Yeah, we're yeah. not hearing these stories, but here in New don't. York State, you need a health passport. I don't know. I don't what do you know. Think, dude? <laughs> I'm not saying it's fake. I'm just saying it's exhaustive. It's getting old, you know. I could go up the road to Cleveland, Ohio to watch a football game in person, socially distanced in a stadium that fits 80,000 people or 60,000 people and be separated by thousands of seats from someone. But I can't go up the road to watch the Buffalo Bills in a stadium because, <laughs> well, you might die.
3: Because COVID knows where you
1: are. Let me tell you something.
3: This is Buffalo. Let me tell you something. If you've ever
1: ever been a Bills fan, you're going to feel like you're going to die anyways just watching the frigging team on the field. You know?
3: Watching the team, just going to uh, tailgating. (laughs) Jumping through burning tables. Dude, I was afraid. People, I've been to plenty of Buffalo Bills games. I love the place. It is a blast. But nothing, <laughs> nothing um, can explain what 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 why you can experience the the magic fun you have there. The magic, the magic, that happens there of almost dying, of you don't know what you're eating, you don't know if there's a burning table about to hit you over the head. It is such a good time. I don't even want to go into the game. I just want to hang out because there's there's good people there. My favorite part, I gotta say this, JC. I C. I don't think yeah, I've ever sure.
1: No, by, it's fine.
3: My favorite part because now you got me going because this is the time where I'm normally up there for a Bills game. Exactly. And um, um, it's, I feel this year has been off to begin with, and this is just
1: a cap of how off it is. Rick, it's, it's still St. Patrick's Day in my head.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you see? No, but I remember the first time I went to, to a Bills game with you and we were tailgating. Hang, on and on kind of, Hang I'm, i,
1: I got, I'm jumping right back in. Even though it's still St. Patrick's Day in my head, you know what messed it up even further? When you watch an awesome team, and don't get me wrong, I'm a Sabres fan, hockey, but uh when you watch an awesome team like the Tampa Bay Lightning win the Stanley Cup and and you're like, it's summer. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's almost fall. Like they, everything's off. <laughs> yeah. Like even the, winter, Florida, that even yeah, when the sense. stars aren't even aligned right now, you know? Like a totally lost yeah. on the time of year. Okay, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, I I was gonna say you
3: tried to warn me about the kind of tailgating that happens and and I was I had such a blast. But the coolest thing was watching that little tiny school bus show up full of people. And it has a keg spigot on the side. And <laughs> any random person can go in and just pour yourself a beer. And I think that particular game, the the uh, dolphins were there. They had a, a, like a fake dolphin little plush toy. with I think I don't know if I had baby powder on it. People kept taking turns hitting it like a pinata. It was a great time. And it, it, it's I guess all I'm saying is, is that I can't wait to the state of New York to get back to normal because I can't wait to actually go back up there. Great people, great food, great time. I just can't wait for 2021. This shit needs to be over with. It really does. Yeah, well, I want to get back to normal.
1: We'll see how it goes. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. There's a lot know, happening in the world, man. I I don't know what's what's going to happen, but you yeah. will come up. Many times now, when mm-hmm. I think back on it, for the Veterans Day game, that's right. We would get together, have a couple, a uh, couple of mimosas, sip, sit on the lanai, watch the sun that. and the wind. No freaking way, bad. We get together, <laughs> no, we'd have some beers, we'd have some wings, we'd sit down, we would talk about good stuff, and then we go enjoy a football game, or maybe get up with some other people. Yep. And uh it, it wasn't just about the the chance to get together. It was also Veterans Day. Now yep. we we do have a, a special pop out that um, we we might release separately on Veterans Day with a fantastic group. Maybe it'll be part of this show. We'll see what happens coming up momentarily. But Veterans Day is a big thing for a lot of people. And thankfully, in the time that we're away, we do have a reporter. That did a fantastic piece on uh, on
2: Veterans Day, Doctor
0: George Washington.
2: What?
0: Doctor George Washington.
2: All right, wicked. So, does vets mainly look after sick animals?
0: No, we do a lot of preventive medicine, reproductive work, and everything.
2: Why was there so many sick animals in Vietnam?
0: There. There wasn't that many sick animals in Vietnam.
2: But weren't there like millions of Vietnam vets?
0: You're confusing terminology here. Okay, a veterinarian is a doctor of veterinary medicine. He's a person that treats animals.
2: For will. Ah, I was getting it. So loads of people went to Vietnam and then treated animals there? No, no,
0: no. You're confusing the term. I'm a veteran. But I'm also a veterinarian, because I serve time as a veterinarian in the military.
2: For will. So why do so many of those people from the military, then later on in life, want to start working with animals?
0: They don't. They can do anything they want to. There's no relation between a veteran of the military Uh, and a veterinarian.
2: (laughs) Respect. And you is? I'm both. Oh man, that's so confusing. I, I, I don't understand it. <laughs> so to make this clear to young people out there, people who fights in wars is called veterinarians. No. People
0: who are called veterans.
2: Whatever, veterans. People who does the animal thing is called veterana- vet- no, veterans. No, veterinarians. Veterinarians. V E T
0: E R I N A-R. It's veterinarians.
2: When you was a kid, did you know that you wanted to grow up and be a veteran?
0: Well, you're still confusing. Just just forget the word veteran.
2: All right. Please. How often is animals actually sick, and how often is they faking it just so them can get a day off work?
0: Animals aren't faking it to get a day off work. (laughs)
1: So before the show today, Ricky sends me a message. He's like, dude, we have to play this clip today. And I listen to it. I'm like, it sounds so familiar. Again, educational and informational purposes. Rick, who was that? He sounds familiar to me.
3: That was uh, Mr. Sasha Baron Cohen, uh, the actor that plays both Borat and Ali G. That was a clip from the HBO show years ago, The Ali G Show. It is Too a much trip. Too much. <laughs> it's a trip. I love those interviews.
1: You know what? Though it is- it's not wrong. I mean, when when people are young, when you're a kid, right? You hear uh, you hear people say, "Yeah, yeah, he's a vet," and you think to yourself, "Like, so he does things with the animals, <laughs> <laughs> you know?" Or or like they they talk about being a vet, and then the, the question comes out like, "Oh, so you died in the war?" No, wait. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're still alive. You're you're right here. I I don't I don't get what? that. Or some people even believe that to be a vet, you you have to do a full twenty years, and then you become of that. You know,
3: and then you become a vet. Yeah, right. I mean, I mean, with how much time it takes to go through uh, through uh, uh, veterinary school, it, it that that almost sounds true. <laughs> It almost does, man.
1: And you two are confusing Uh-oh. the terms.
3: I'm confused, too. I said vet. veterinarian. <laughs> Did you notice when he started spelling V-E-T? I- he kind of went I- nice. He messed up.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of stress there. Uh-huh. That was it was funny. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, but you would come up uh, for the Bills games for Veterans Day. And, then uh, yeah, good times. It's not happening. It's not happening right you know, now. It's yeah.
3: not. You know what I just realized? Tell me. Those uh, those trips, me going up there, yeah. actually was the birthplace of the show. Yes, it during was. During Veterans Game about three, four years ago, right? Yes, it was. So let me tell the story then, because uh, I, I fly up there, Bill's Veterans Game. We have a great time. JC already had a podcast studio. Podcast wasn't even in my mind at all. And um, we, we went to the game. I think that particular game, we left a little bit early because uh, Bill's weren't performing the way we thought they should, but it's okay. We still had a great time um we uh we left at the beginning of the fourth quarter JC's like hey let's go by the studio and I'm like oh I got a studio so that I know you had a studio he says I got a studio All right, let's go to the studio we go in and it's a really nice you walk in this uh special entryway that looks like a uh a girl's playhouse but there is a uh uh, a non there that you guys partner with. When you go through there, when you go back, you got all these couches, cameras, and I'm like, this is not what I thought it was. And then you're like, no, that's, that's recording equipment. I'm like, oh, okay. is not those other videos that I see over on the, on the internet. He says, have a seat, have a seat. Got me a little glass of, uh, of vodka or scotch. I forgot what it was. I was gone by that time. Um, you know, I put the headset on and we just started having a conversation hour and a half into that conversation, you're like, listen to this. And I'm like, holy crap, you're recording this the entire time? That's kind of creepy, and in that same sentence, I'm like, this actually sounds pretty good. Next thing you know, HR Talk was born.
1: It's been magical ever since. It really has. Uh, Who knew chicken wings, beer, and uh, the Buffalo Bills would lead to a a podcast like HR Talk? (laughs) Where <laughs> yeah. where we sometimes don't even talk about HR. At Pretty all. awesome. At all,
3: We have yet to do it right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we kind of touched on it a little bit in the beginning with some of the hiring stuff. And, yeah, we did. we did. Yeah, and, and kind of like living examples through our discussions of how people could be towards each other. Question for you. Um, yes. Some people have listened to the show, and they've said that uh, it's too progressive for them. What does that mean? What, what is a progr- No, seriously, I'm seriously asking you, what is a progressive approach to leadership and what is a progressive stance when it comes to a podcast? How could that be misconstrued when you just have a couple people talking?
3: Well, you know, not being in that conversation and just going by what you're telling me. Yeah, alone, go by what I'm telling you. Complex. <laughs> Do that.
1: I don't no, have I, any more for you.
3: I normally don't. I normally just assume a bunch of crap. No, dude, seriously. Um, if <laughs> if, if <laughs> I, do. Um, I know you do. If we go, if we're seen as progressive from an HR perspective, let me address that one first. It's because we see HR differently than what the world have seen in the past 40 years. In the past 40 years, it has been administration. It has been personnel and 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 this field is the it's, it's the field that handles the quote unquote paperwork it wasn't until about 15 15 20 years ago or so that people started to people within the HR profession started to take a completely different turn on how they view the field they started to be more more strategic started to be involved more in planning And those are things that have never been done before from an HR perspective. HR hasn't had that seat at the table for the longest time. And as of 15, 20 years ago, they do. And now, instead of being called into an office because somebody messed up or something happened, they're being called into the office to plan for the future of the organization. (laughs) So that's progressive. And people who are at the latter part of their career, they probably have a hard time with that because that's not the HR they're used to. Leadership is the same way, JC, because from, from a leadership perspective, there was a top-down leadership, and now leadership is taking, is taking a completely different tone. A leader can now be seen as a human being that makes mistakes and actually uh, shows some kind of an emotion, whereas 20, 30 years ago, that was a big no-no.
1: 20, now, 20 or 30?
3: Like, well, I mean, <laughs> five years ago. Actually, right now. <laughs>
1: right now is a big no-no.
3: <laughs> yeah, so. it still
1: is, man.
3: Well, that's probably why we're seen as progressive. And if that's that that definition, and it may rub people the wrong way, okay, I'm okay
1: with that. All right. So when uh, some people like think about that, when they when they hear that, when it comes up, they instantly think politics. You know? Well, I'm I'm know. I'm not progressive, and I'm not mm-hmm. going to listen to a progressive show. And they try to thread it all together. <laughs> Veteran veterinarian. <laughs> Event, yeah, yeah, I get it. Right? I got it. Yeah. A progressive approach to HR versus progressive politics. Separate things, right? It, it, it's very
3: separate. I just don't understand why people have to put those in, in, in the same
1: bucket. Okay, okay. So so help help me help some people out there. Okay. What would be a conservative approach to human resources? Along those same lines... A conservative
3: approach to HR. Yeah. Kind of laid back, not not laid back, is a square peg fitting perfectly in a square hole. That's what the conservative part of
1: HR would be. All right. What's a liberal part of HR? What would be a liberal perspective to HR? Why does the square peg need to be in any
3: hole? Why can't the square peg be a square peg? and let a square peg do what square
1: pegs do? Why does it have to do ABC? Why do you have to put yourself in a bucket of one, the other, or another? Why can't you think in all these different ways there you and, go. and view it on a case-by-case basis and just focus on treating people equal and fair? The only buckets that people need
3: to look at is whatever core values the leader of the organization chooses for the organization. Ah, come
1: on, you're, you're full of shit. No, no, it's, it's not true. the only buckets. That's the only. Here is why I am saying there. that. I want to. I want to th- confront you on this one because, and, and and grab it. You know what? Pull up your big boy pants. Here we go. So <laughs> <laughs> look at me using modern media terminologies, right? So you you are saying this, but how about this? You've got a leader in your organization that thinks a certain way. You disagree. Yeah. You disagree because your core values are different. To you, your core values are better. And you have no problem keeping your friggin' mouth shut, getting the work done, and doing the best for everyone around you. And everyone appreciates it. They love it. Okay. And a lot of people think that that leadership style is absolutely ridiculous. But no one's going to say a word because no yep. one wants to get fired. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. I'm agreeing with you. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So so if you dig in and all you do is fall in line with the mindset over here all you're doing is little chop-chops, right? But over here, you're, you're just, you're, you're living? Well, that's the thing, right? You as the person who has that dilemma
3: and your core values, they they contradict the core values of the organization, you,
1: you have a choice to make. Ah, ah, ah. Conflicting with the core values of the organization versus conflicting the core values of the leader in charge, the LOC. So, well, wait so a if the LOC is not totally in line, with the vision and the mission and the values of the organization talking about their personal beliefs on leadership and management of people et cetera. but everyone believes in the core mission everyone's working for the same means to an end but the the thought process go ahead go ahead go ahead you don't have to wait till I'm done get it out dude, i'm i'm trying to be nice
3: no don't, dude here's the don't thing. be nice here's the thing here's the thing um, if the core leaders, uh, the core, if the core beliefs of the leader is different than the core beliefs of the organization, get the hell out, get out. There's something wrong. They're not going to leave. You
1: say that. But, I say that. We agree on that. But why would they? They've been around that. 15 to 20 years. It's okay, not going to change. Then don't complain. Right. Who, <laughs> so, who shouldn't, you who shouldn't just, complain?
3: Well, the everyone, argument
1: everyone underneath them
3: everybody that has an issue that has a conflict with those core beliefs if Uh. i work for an organization and my core beliefs do not coincide with the leader or the organization, then I have a choice to make. Either I keep my mouth shut, I still do what I'm paid to do, or if it bothers me so much that I can't come into work and I have to make things difficult for everybody, I might as well take my talent somewhere else to where my core beliefs align more to that of the organization
1: and the leader. I agree with you. But at the same time, if you're doing something of value that you firmly believe in, Man, we're back to it. We're back to talking about the frozen middle. No, but you are. You are. But what What good is you uh,
3: working on those core beliefs that you believe in if the organization you're doing it for doesn't believe in it and don't value it?
1: But what, if the organization the- does believe in it, but maybe the LOC doesn't necessarily see eye to eye with it. You're stuck in a position where you're still doing what you find value. You're in line with the mission, vision, values. You're doing the best for the organization and heading down the path and direction that they're on. But it's the stuff right above you that's in the middle, the stuff that you might not be able to overcome. You don't have that opportunity to be in the C-suite anymore. So So let me separate, because there's a big difference with a difference
3: of opinion and difference of core values, right? I can have a difference of opinion and still align with your core values,
1: right? So if my core values are aligned to the organization and yours. Right. But but what if your leadership style and traits bleed directly into your core values that don't necessarily align with the core values of the organization? That's what I'm getting at.
3: Then either I stay shut and continue working or I leave if it bothers me that much. Right. I don't have to be there. I don't. <laughs> Seriously, I don't, and I know that's easier said than done. It is because for me to say it right now, when I'm not in that situation, yeah, amidst
1: if, amidst COVID and everything yeah, taking place exactly, right now, right? Yeah.
3: yeah, yeah. So um, if I do that right now, then I got to think about my wife, my livelihood, everything. How bad is it? It's a, that I need to
1: put that kind of a can in the, in the process. Rick, it's it's not that bad, and here's why. Here's why you could do it tomorrow. You literally could do this tomorrow. You could walk in and pack it up. And I've, I've got the quintessential reason why. Okay. Because there are backers of raising Florida's minimum wage to $15 an hour. And they say they're prepared for a fight if the uh, legislature or business groups try to undercut Amendment 2. Now, Amendment 2 in Florida was passed. Yep. The current minimum wage in Florida is $8.56. Minimum wage <laughs> raises up to $10 in 2021. And then a dollar a year until it reaches $15 an hour in 2026. You have a future. You have a future. It doesn't matter what you do. You're going to be by 2026. You're going to make $15 an hour, Rick. Who has a future? <laughs> you.
3: <laughs> okay. Me, me personally. Okay. So here's the thing. Um, so yes, it was passed. 60% of the vote came in. Florida says, we want this to happen. And it did. Right. Right. I don't know if that's the good voice to use for Floridians, but whatever. <laughs> let's roll with it. Um, so he's just going hit- We talk like Mickey Mouse. No, <laughs>
1: I get it. I get it. <laughs> you <need a> drink. <laughs> ah, damn. I miss you, bro. <laughs> of course you do. You know why? Why? Cause I make the show fun asshole. <laughs> Go on. There he goes. Those core values again. Um, so look, um, so, from hang from on a me, second, please. don't you put that on me. I'm interrupting your story. It's not core values, that's just radical candor. And if you can't deal with radical candor, maybe you need to Get not out. partake <laughs> in the progressive perspective of leadership of the lead. future.
3: Right. I'm going <laughs> to go work for the county government. Yeah, there's progressive right there. Ricky, no. we're heading to the leadership of the future.
1: <laughs> All right, go ahead. Go ahead with your Florida this story.
3: Really good. Florida okay. story. No, look, as a as a human being, I'm glad up, there is up. livable wage. Go being
1: ahead. being
3: not being bean. not like a green up. bean. I regret what I said about missing you on the show. Holy shit, bro. I do not miss that. <laughs> no. <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> being, I I understand why that was passed and I completely get it. Um if I take that hat off and put a business a small business hat on, it is gonna be an issue it really is going to be an issue for the small businesses that make Florida what it is. Why? Uh, Because if you have a... a Why is this going to be an issue? We have a dear friend, you and I, that owns a mom and pop pizza shop. Yeah. They do not make that much profit at the end of the year. They're not Pizza Hut. They're not Domino's. They're not those big chains. Right. Right. And they already have an airtight budget. This airtight budget
1: It's going to completely... But you know, this isn't new. This isn't new. And it's kind of like the discussions of AB5, independent contractors, and some of the rules associated with those that we saw mapped out in California. Well, you're dealing with with the 15 thing here, and I'm I'm with you. I'm not taking a side. But I'm saying it's not new. We're living under that already in New York State. That's where we're at. Yeah, you're seeing bars and restaurants close more so now than before due to COVID. It's already happening, though. Yeah. You got the corner, the corner store up the road. Great pizzas, amazing place. Very good people. Very good, very big pies. Fantastic, the best, the greatest. Biggly pies, Biggly pies. You know what? That'd be a great name for a restaurant. I was just thinking that Biggly pies <laughs> and wings. <laughs> yes. Stop by Biggly pies and wings in Kissimmee. So the uh... aggressive pizza. <laughs> They're still in business. They're still doing all right. Prices went up. You pay more, but you you're paying for what what's good. So a large pie goes from being used to be eight bucks, then ten bucks, now twelve. Now the large pie is uh, fifteen dollars. Yeah. So now
3: that margin, that profit margin, you had in your bank account. It's back to what it was before this thing went into play. And what did it cost? Because that pizza owner has a choice to make. Either they lay off people or they raise prices or a combination of both. And that's not going to help anybody. Again, big franchises, they're going to survive. They're going to be okay. Small mom and pops, you and I know a couple of them. They're going to be hurting
1: really bad. What if so that's uh, what, what I- if healthcare is fact- taken out of the equation altogether? Like right now, healthcare is a huge piece of the compensation package. Take it out altogether. Now what? Well, we talked about that with Rachel, didn't anyway. we? Yes, we did. Now Rachel was from Australia. We did say that she would be on again around Veterans Day. This me and Ricky's first show back. Uh, I kind of failed on that. Rachel, still love you to death, but you know we're not doing that today. We're doing other yeah. things, very bigly things, very good. So look, the uh, if the healthcare is taken out of the equation. Then you've got more money in overhead to meet the fight for fifteen, right? I'm um, I'm playing devil's advocate for the perspective of, of the the notes and the thought process of where it's at right now, right? I get that. I get that. I, I don't think for small mom and pop shops
3: healthcare is part of the equation. I don't think they can afford it. But I don't, don't think they the don't
1: they have to provide it? Isn't there legal recourse?
3: I don't think there is. For small mom and pops, I don't think they have to provide it um unless no they don't actually i think they have a choice not to do it but actually i don't think any organization and i'm only speaking for florida i don't think any organization has to provide health and welfare benefits i think that's just something that's been done for such a long time it is seen as part of the total compensation package but i don't think there's a law that says you need to provide that now aca is different right Um, So that 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 has some provisions in in that act that would um, fine some organizations of some people for not using it. But for small mom and pops, no, I don't think so, bro.
1: So no, Florida has a 16 year history with working with the state minimum wage. The only thing that Amendment 2 does is revise the minimum wage that was passed by voters back in 2004. They thought they were solid in 2004 referring to the first time Florida passed a constitutional amendment to raise the state minimum wage to $6.15 and tie future yearly increases to the inflation rate. The day after the amendment passed with 72% of the vote, the business groups that had opposed it said they were considering suing and claimed that uh, proponents had used illegal tactics to collect signatures to get the measure on the ballot. These excerpts I'm reading are from OrlandoSentinel.com, your place for amazing news and information and one of the worst websites you'll ever visit in your <laughs> entire life.
3: Yeah, their pop-up ads are ridiculous. It's insane. Like, yeah, I literally
1: have a full 16 by 9 screen, and I'm reading that within a one-inch by one-inch cube, and everything, it looks like Homer Simpson's frigging webpage with it's dancing babies outside. and all this stuff on it. I'm telling you. <laughs> It's friggin' ridiculous. I, if you subscribe to Orlando Sentinel, and I'm not trashing you, I'm giving you a free promo today. And and kudos to Carolyn Glenn, Orlando Sentinel. You're an amazing human. Great article that you got there. But look, do something with your ads. This is crazy. I can't even they gotta deal with funny, it. Bro. Anyway, they gotta make- anyway, Anyway, no, go look, on.
0: So look,
3: back in 1994, when I used to work at Back to the Future at huh? Universal Studios, do when? you know how much money I made per hour? How much, how much in the 90s, Ricky? $4.25 an hour. And I thought back then, I'm like, I am rich. You're raking it in, man. I, w- I was having a blast. I was working at one of the best theme parks in the world.
1: Yeah, but gasoline was like a yeah. twenty-five, and you could Not buy even. milk. It was like
3: 89 cents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I had a, for a Honda Civic, so I didn't care about gasoline, right? Right. And I had no kids. I was, what, at 17, 16, whatever. Yeah,
1: that same Honda Civic now is $32,000.
3: <laughs> yeah, I know, right? You
1: know? Come <laughs>
3: oh, on. I God, I car. No, but look, to me, I, back then, I thought that was something. But, uh, you know, somebody sat me down and, and – and told me that I, I, I need to be fiscally responsible. I need to plan, yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, wow, this really isn't that Ricky,
1: stop if you could. You got to bring the microphone down. You're getting too sorry, quiet sorry, on sorry. the meters. We're having a real hard time, time hearing you here. Go ahead.
3: Gotcha. Gotcha. No. Yeah. So, um, you know, somebody sat me down back then and said that I need to start planning more for my for my financial future. And I started to, you know, write some things down and calculating. And I saw that that 425 was not going to cut it at all. So boom, military comes in. I still didn't plan financially because <laughs> I had way too much of a good time. Um, but I guess the point I'm trying to make is, is that um, yes, I'm glad we have a living wage, a livable wage. But I think that livable wage should be dictated by your skill set and your work ethic and your 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 your
1: willingness to do. Then what good are you gonna do? You're gonna dictate your- the entire market down? You you gonna Okay, well, okay, let's do that. Let's do that okay. for a second. You're floating around 26, 27, 28. Things are looking beautiful. The market is very large. It's very good. Now, mm-hmm. let's say hypothetically in January th- and into next year, the thing starts to tank and people start losing their shirts left and right. But now mm-hmm. you have to come up with the $15 an hour. It could be a different ball of wax, Rick. It could. It could.
3: But it should motivate you to get out of that hole, right? Not keep you there. Because here's what the $15 an hour does, in my opinion. I'm not
1: talking about the worker. I'm talking about the business owner. I'm talking about everything. You start, you own that business, and now the market's taking a nosedive. You're starting to lose your shirt in other ways. You're going to start cutting your losses. You're going to start, you're going to start sending people out the door anyhow. Now, Absolutely. if the market continues to do good, you're doing good. You're fostering the community, doing whatever you got to do to continue to bring the sales in. It's a different ball of whack. with different industries, different things. This is, is such a hotly debated topic. It truly is. But going from eight dollars up to fifteen dollars is that's a that's a very, uh, as they say, uh, aggressive approach,
3: right? I think aggressive would have been fifteen dollars immediately next September. That would have been very aggressive. Okay. That would have forced a lot of closures. So, right? so
1: you're okay I mean, with it then?
3: I'm I'm okay. Remember, I'm on the fence. I'm okay with it for the living wage. I'm glad that if they did pass, it, they did it in a way that it's going to gradually go up that regulation to where the business owners have time to plan. But they're hurting as it is right now. <laughs> I mean, so what? What? What makes people think that things are going to get better because they were better a year ago? They went so far down that they just—it's like Rick, if you get a bank Rick. account and you got negative a hundred dollars in there, it's because you you're
1: pay open just to be broke. It's because you're already open though. You're already open for business. There's no differences for you. It's normal life again, though, right? Like anyone can go into any restaurant. You could go to any place you want to. You could sit down, have a beer. You don't need to. I mean, things are a little bit more normal down there for you, right? A a little bit more, but not back to normal because the
3: bulk of a small business's revenue are from tourists. And right now, the only people they're catering are locals. And that's Uh, not part of their budget. Nobody's coming here, bro.
1: Nobody's. Right. Everybody's well, fly. I, I want, it, to. Well, want to. Other well, people want to. There's a ton of people. There's a ton of people in New York that want to, but we can't get the health passport. It have costs you. Apply you, for it. Listen, it costs you over a hundred dollars to get a COVID test. Okay. Anyway, if you don't think that you have COVID, you have to pay to get it. So what you have to lie on the forms to say I think I may have been exposed, to then so have fast? the state cover the cost of the COVID test. So check this out. You think you've been exposed, or you think X, Y, Z, so that's why you're getting the test. So now you've got thousands of people going to take tests at $100 a pop that that Cha-ching. they're getting compensated. <laughs> Cha-ching, baby! Yeah! This, is, this okay. isn't the New York of old days. This is Vegas, baby! You know right. what I'm saying? Well, Vegas when it comes to money, not counting anything So then, else. you've got airline workers out of business right now. You've got flight attendants on furlough. You've got a family member like mine that just flew from California to New York for very unfortunate things that happened within the family, came into town, saw him at a wake, okay, connected. He said every single flight he was on was booked to the gills. There's no social distancing. It's body to body, pack to pack, unless you come once you get that last connector to come to New York, at which point there's like three people on the plane because no one's doing that. (laughs) <laughs> you know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I guess it's still busy out there. It just depends on where you are, who you are and where it's from. But you're 100 percent correct. You don't have the international travel. You don't have the domestic travel. Everything is being cut back and controlled. And uh, we'll see what happens in the new year. It could be. a, I don't know. Yeah, it, no, it, it's I'm just I'm just hoping that the
3: the economy picks up, especially now <laughs> that I'm going to the pass. I just hope it just picks up, man. It, it, it's I'm a big small business backer and I, I I like to throw my business that way and I just to me I see where this is going and I just feel really bad for the small businesses in Florida. Now on the other side of that of that coin, I'm really happy that the people who felt that um, that they were not getting what they wanted that they went out they voted. I'm more happy that people went out to vote for what they want instead of screaming and crying about it. Uh, That's what I mean. uh, The
1: uh, the amendment two, yeah. uh, The fifteen dollars an hour in in Florida. Florida. Gotcha. Yes.
3: Yeah. People came out and they said, "This is what we want." Boom. Okay. I get it. I get it. There's some consequences. (laughs) Here you (laughs) go. But fine.
1: I'm proud of that fact, though. Well, now you're going to see the teeter again between employee and independent contractor, probably. Yeah. As this continues to move forward. And there's the squeeze. That's what I'm intrigued to watch over the next year. That differential, and I'm going to use two different states and two different terminologies, that differential between the AB5 decisions and that Amendment 2 decisions. <laughs> and where is the person still an employee or no longer an employee? And then how many people are going to go into business, I'm using air quotes, go into business for themselves just so that they could work at... um uh, Stop and Shop, or or what do you call it down there? What's uh, uh, Publix. Publix? Oh, Publix. Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> I opened up my <laughs> I opened up my cashier business. <laughs> I can go be a oh, cashier. Could you yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Oh, wow. So now then, I get so then, again. watch,
1: watch. Here's where it goes. Then, so then, you have unions that form independently, right? And you've got the Cashiers Union of Florida, and all cashiers in Florida <laughs> join the Cashiers Union, and they're employed by the Cashiers Union. That then is being compensated as independent contractors to every single grocery store and convenience store chain all across Florida. And then on the backside of that, the people are getting paid and getting their health care directly from the union that they've joined. Now the union's got more power and control. And then the laws continue to change to play part into, oh, geez, I'm describing like the taxi situation in New York City. What am I doing? Oh, oh well, that, what am I doing? It,
3: oh, yeah. what are you doing there, bud? That's not going to happen in Florida. But you made me laugh, though. You made me laugh because here in Florida, I don't know where it is everywhere else. A barbershop normally doesn't have employees. They got 1099 workers and they rent the chair out yeah. to that, that specific worker. I just had that vision at Publix. All the cashiers are their own independent contractor. Yeah. Publix rents that that cash till to that person. It's going to cost you 200 bucks a day. Anything left over, anything above and beyond that is yours, whatever it is. I can see that happening. Yeah. But it's not going to happen. Not in Florida. Well, then, what's, 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 what's the other side of
1: that? The other side of that is uh, like guys out in, um, out, in, out in Long Beach. There's a company. I'm not going to say their name on the show. Mm-hmm. They specifically make 16 by 9 touchscreen interactive software panels mm-hmm. that go into businesses. And it's a menu, and you touch the screen, and you order what you want. Very great company, great people, good people. You touch, you make your order, you do your whole thing, and then that order goes directly to the kitchen. Hmm. We already see it in the self-checkout lines. We, sure. if, if you go to a regular checkout line down in Florida at Publix, you're going to have to put your card in via the chip reader. You're going to go through a confiscation and an and interrogation, at which point... You have to remove the card and then swipe the card. And then you're going to be told to <laughs> reinsert it for the chip again. Then you could be asked for code. It's it's a very long, drawn-out process. It just sucks. Eliminate the human, and then they put a machine in there, and then you're all done. So then how as, as these machines become more cost-effective, like what the company in Long Beach offers, how many employees lose their job that would be making yeah. the $9, the $10 an hour? They're just gone all together because they literally were replaced by a machine.
3: This is what happens when we focus too much on keeping the same process we've always had and don't use that energy to innovate
1: and do things differently going forward. Yeah, but Rick, that is a progressive approach to leadership and human resources. We need square pegs and square holes.
3: (laughs) No, it's not. (laughs) We don't need that. I don't see that from an HR perspective. I see if you're telling me that that square peg. And by the to way, by perfectly. the way, for,
1: for new listeners, I do this as a devil's advocate. Okay? Yeah, he does. Just yeah, get, he, over he, ahead, Rick, <laughs> get over it. Go ahead. Continue.
3: Get over it. Yeah, get over it, people. What sounds wrong with you? No. If you're telling me that that square peg has to fit perfectly in that square, uh, in that square hole, and I ask you why, and you tell me because that's the way we've always done it, none about that is progressive none of it. You have to continue to question the process every single time to see what other efficiencies can you put in there.
1: Right. So if I have people that are working for my organization and I've always paid them less than $15 an hour, I'm just going to keep doing that. Well, I don't think that's progressive because if you
3: if you see your employee is giving you Twenty-five dollars worth of work per hour, and you still want to pay them fifteen bucks an hour? You're an a-hole, straight up. You are an a-hole. You need to. You need to pay. You people say a-hole for now, trip. but
1: when you talk
3: to me about me, you actually swear. Oh, don't be an asshole. Come on, come on, dude. <laughs> dude, you told me that I cuss too much because I know I know people listen, and I want to be respectful, and here I am. Implementing that request four years later, and now you want to throw it back in my face? <laughs> Damn, dude, <laughs> what the hell is wrong with you?
1: <laughs> a lot. I can't get hired anywhere. Yeah, I know. I yeah, can't I get hired, it. Rick. There's a lot wrong with me. I'm
3: telling you. I mean, you know, that psychological background test takes forever. It does, <laughs> no. though. Actually, it really does. <laughs> years later, I'm waiting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but dude, yeah. <laughs> no, but you have to question that process. And if people get mad at you for questioning that process, then shoot, you be there. Because this is the way we've always done it is the, that, that phrase that sinks good organizations. And people have to recognize that um, times change, people change, people learn, organizations learn, organizations innovate, and either we're on that train or the train leaves us. So what are we going to do? I'd rather be on the train and try to get this organization from A to B in the most progressive way possible. Hopefully, that makes sense to our two listeners that are listening out right now.
1: Palm Beach Post. Bill Hurley, great writer, very good guy. What do you write? Quote, and and please stop by palmbeachpost.com. It's an opinion piece. Bill, if you do hear this, it'd be nice to have you on. Yes. He says running a small business is never easy, but it's especially hard right now. Business was good until the pandemic stopped. Florida's economy directly in its tracks. People stopped traveling, attractions, shops, restaurants. They all had to close or immediately begin operating under severe restrictions to slow the spread of the deathly coronavirus. And some of the businesses that thought they had closed temporarily closed for good. He talks about it being trying times. He talks about amendment two and the $15 an hour potentially could make things worse. Small businesses have notoriously thin profit margins. Owners are forced to increase the starting wage. They're going to make tough decisions. Do they raise prices and risk driving away customers? Do they try to manage labor costs by eliminating positions, cutting people's hours, reducing benefits all during a pandemic? Hmm. There was a survey done by NFIB research centers. It shows one in five small businesses already expect to eliminate jobs within the next six months because of the coronavirus. (laughs) Changing the state constitution to increase the cost of doing business in Florida is not going to help. A study from the NFIB earlier this month revealed that a full 20% of small businesses fear they may yet go under in the next six months. But the amendment still passed. He goes on to say, doesn't mean small businesses aren't hiring. According to NFIB's latest monthly jobs report, a seasonally adjusted 23% of owners plan to add jobs in the next three months, while 30%, uh, 36% of owners reporting having openings that they cannot fill. But of those trying to hire, 89% report few or no qualified applicants, while a net 23% say they've had to increase pay to help attract more applicants. Up five points from August. A net 16 plan to raise compensation in the coming months up two points. And he goes on and on with some analysis. I got a question for you, Rick. In uh, he, he, Bill Hurl, uh, H-E-R-R-L-E, Bill H-E-R-R-L-E, Is the national... Federation of Independent Businesses, State Executive Director in Florida. I know it's hurled. He, he's he's got a he's got very good articles out there. Presents things from multiple sides. I highly recommend reading up on some of his stuff. There's something here I have to question. Of those trying to hire, 89% report few or no qualified applicants. I want to ask you about that. Hmm. I want to ask everyone out there about this. It takes a, a heavy lift in the realm of onboarding, hiring, making those decisions. Look at the look at the show coming full circle. The master plan is in effect. Here we go. Few or no qualified applicants. Do you adjust your internal strategies? What <laughs> makes someone not qualified at all? Do you get done talking with someone and say to yourself, and, and Ricky, I'm asking you this, and, and to the listeners, I'm asking you, do you get done with an interview and say to yourself, this person, could n- I, I could not check a single box on the list, and they are untrainable. They are, they are not worth anything to me. So be it. Let it be written. Let it be told.
3: Um, I don't think I've ever said that. I don't okay. think I've
1: ever said something like that, okay. but okay. <laughs> I get so, it. If you've got internal training protocols, if you know, and and we're talking about procuring talent, we're talking about what we look for in candidates. We're also talking about the way that we interview, the questions we ask, and our decision-making process on who we hire. So, Ricky, is there ever an instance where you interview someone and you feel they're a good candidate, but due to the numbers and statistics, you can't do it? And you have to report that they are not a qualified applicant at the end of the day. You could never train them. You don't have the tools and assets in-house to bring them up to speed, to make them a rock star within your walls. Outside
3: of any federal mandate that forces me to make that kind of a report, a.k.a. the um, affirmative action plans, all right? outside of that, let me talk about that first and then I'm gonna throw them into the mix, right? So if I don't have to make any kind of a report, it depends on the market, right? It's all about supply and demand. If unemployment is up, we have our pick, we can pick whatever the hell we want, whatever we want. I've always told all of my students, high unemployment is great for a recruiter, horrible for the economy. Low unemployment is awesome for the economy, horrible for a recruiter reason being because if there's hardly any talent out there, you have to make a decision. Do you lower your standards that you're looking for? Or remember, if you are a for-profit organization, you have a responsibility to make money for the purpose of profit. So that means you got to think fiscally. So when you do that, you're like, what is cheaper? Do we go out and find the talent that we're looking for, or do we take that money and invest internally for the people we have right now, figure out which one is cheaper, but how the market is up or down, what kind of talent is out there up and down, it's going to dictate who is qualified and who isn't because if it's up, if we have too many people out there, we can pick whatever we want and have
1: high standards.
3: Okay. If it's Daniel, right now, yeah? right
1: now, mm-hmm. 89% report, few or no qualified applicants. Right now. See,
3: I would need to see what that means, because if it's an entry level position, it's very hard for somebody to see they're unqualified for a trade like an, an electrician, an auto mechanic, a HVAC repair person. That is a specific skilled trade. JC, I have openings right now of twenty eight dollars an hour that I can't fill because I don't have qualified applicants.
1: There it is. OK, I want to do it, Let's, let's yeah. get into that. And we're going we're to use that in particular. And okay. if, if we touch on an area that you can't go into, stop me and let me know. Got you. Um, you. We're not talking about doctors, okay? Nope. They might be in a different realm in this yep. discussion. Yep. They're, they're probably always going to pop on the report. You're not going to teach someone how to be a dentist on the job. You could. I
2: mean, it
1: might be some stuff to go along with that, though, right? YouTube good, good videos, yeah. HVAC repair, mm-hmm. human resources. Mm-hmm. aren't these things that could be learned on the job with the person with the right skills if, if if you're playing money ball and you find the right candidate and you know that they've got a fire in the belly a desire to learn they are that person that you could see working by your side for the next 20 years is it worth investing in them or you know you really need the stuff before you walk in the door it depends. Before I could teach you how to multiply and divide,
3: you have to know how to add and subtract.
1: Okay, so maybe they so, know how to add and subtract, but they don't know how to multiply and divide. They're cusping. Then come on in. But they're not I qualified. How Are they not qualified? Uh, uh, they, let, let's see. say to your peers in other organizations hiring for that same HVAC type position, they're deeming this person not qualified. We need that certification. We need this. We need that. We understand ah, so, you've been in the organization. Okay. Got it. Got it. got it. got
3: it. Okay. Okay. In the absence of a certification requirement, if somebody comes in and they don't have the minimum, some of the, no, they need the minimum qualifications. Some of the qualifications that is that, that the job would want, and they are hungry, they are trainable, and they're eager to learn, I'm going to give that person a shot. Come on in. I'll teach you. If I see that fire, if I start talking about something really good about the position and I see their pulse racing, their eyes dilated, they got goosebumps, they love the job. That's why I like asking off the wall questions about Excel, Word, PowerPoint, FMLA, ADA, all these different things to kind of see how their body language changes. If they get like an excitement, they start geeking out on it. They don't know about it fully, but they love it. I'm, I'm going to bring that person in. I could always teach them about, about, about FMLA. I can't teach them work ethic. I can't. I, I don't have time for that. Now let's flip over to the requirement. Because for an HVAC repair, you need an environmental something-something requirement. called EP something. That means that you have to have passed a class on how to use Freon and make sure it doesn't go into the environment, yada, yada, yada. But you need that requirement, right? But here's what happens, JC. You need some years of experience before I can send you into a home that could potentially kill the entire family. If I send somebody into a home in New York to work on a water heater they make a mistake that or boiler and that thing explodes, reliable. So I can't just send a novice in there. I need somebody with some kind of experience because there's lives at stake.
1: So you've at got point, someone getting out of the service. You have a veteran or veterinarian getting out of the service. They've got the relevant skills, the knowledge, the expertise. Uh, they don't have the certi- the certifications. They're transitioning out into the standard workforce. And then now they can't get the jobs because they are not a qualified applicant over and over and over. Even though they just did that job, let it be for two years, three years, four years, 20 years. They know what they're doing, but they can't get a fair shake. Watch this. Watch this. If I interview It's a you podcast. And- no one's watching. <laughs> but we will listen to this.
3: You li- okay, okay, okay. Listen to this. Listen to this. All right. So- if I interview you in that same scenario and I see that you are an you you are eager to learn and you're motivated and I need that on my team, you know what? That certification class costs fifteen hundred dollars. That's a really good investment to get you on my team. So come on over. You're gonna offer the job
1: at fifteen hundred dollars less than what no, you get no, on no, others.
3: I'm, <laughs> no, I'm willing to invest in my people.
1: Right. That's what I'm willing to do. But to save overhead, you're gonna cut that down three grand, bring them in no. low to There's no for the hope of going high. <laughs> Right. Just no coffee. That's it. No coffee. <laughs> no coffee, no, no coffee. donuts. Yeah. Screw everybody else to bring Johnny. No, no, no. In. <laughs> no, there's coffee and donuts, but not for Johnny.
3: Ah, not for Johnny. He can't earn that yet until he passes that class and gets that certification he needs uh, <laughs> that I pay for. <laughs> well, you're working so hard. I want coffee and donuts, damn it. Tim Hortons, man. I tell you what, that has crack
1: in it. What if uh what if Johnny falls on those EEO reports in a negative way? Ooh. <laughs> in a negative ah! way. In a yeah, negative way. There's no negative way. Is there or is there not? Before? Okay. No, there so, you, so so maybe you have a, a quota that you have to meet to hire X amount of people of a certain race, color, creed, or, or sexual orientation. And you're not doing it. So you're like, hey, I got to meet my quotas. I,
3: I, I, I want you to hear me with what I'm about to say. There is no quotas on anything related to EEO or anything related to affirmative action. None. Zip. And in Spanish, no. There isn't any. <laughs> <laughs> There's no quota, <quarter>, bro. <laughs> Just in case people... You know a lot understand. of people
1: think there are, though.
3: Yeah, yes. yeah, And and, and I, I don't think you will be surprised how many people do think there are. And that's a huge mistake. You will be more surprised okay. how many
1: HR people think they are. <laughs> it's a go, go, go on that. Go on that. Tell me more there is because
3: and thank you for bringing that up because i like how you oh, put you're it. welcome you put, yeah thanks appreciate it i like how you put it you put that um if it shows on a report on an eeo report negatively the only way there could be a negative eeo report again is if it's the numbers are manipulated
1: devil's advocate here oh everything's manipulated now don't you bring up manipulation <laughs> around the elections a, what the hell cut i did not out. cut it out <laughs> Cut, put that, that, put that oh, back in your pocket
3: waving your finger at me this you, isn't a, a, uh is is, people can see that you ricky bias you stop you stop i feel like i feel like there's a water bottle coming stop. <laughs> no no, no a flip, <laughs> there's a flip flop <laughs> <laughs> no chancleta, chancleta. That's, what it is. <laughs> that's right i like how you, your voice went up so yeah <laughs> no so look so because, so the whole point of affirmative action plan or EEO is to put a process, a plan out there that gives as much opportunity to a wide, diverse group of people to apply. If they don't apply, as long as you get the process out there, you have checked that box. A lot of people believe that if you throw that out there and you still have to report that how you're disproportionate in your hiring, they think that's a negative mark. It is not. Now, it does mean that you have to do a little bit better next time around to make sure that you get more people. But as long as you show that you have done the best you possibly can, you've put the processes out there to make sure that your message that you're hiring reaches across racial and cultural lines and across different um,
1: neighborhoods, you'll be okay. You said racial, not Rachel. Rachel. <laughs> Rachel is not drawing lines. <laughs> you're talking about racial lines. Okay, Rachel.
3: got it. Right. Racial. racial.
1: La if, raciale, how's that? If, if you're a square peg in a square hole and your name is Rachel, you're not working here. You're not doing it. I'll pay you 15 Or bucks alternatively, we only hire Rachels.
3: <laughs> now, like, <laughs> in Florida, there is a place called Rachel's.
1: <laughs> there is. I'll leave it at that. People Google it. We'll be talking about that coming up later on this year with the guests I was talking about, probably. So oh. moving forward, <laughs> interesting. Okay, moving forward on this, um, when we're talking about the 89% report, fewer, no qualified applicants, you got a point. It'd be great to see those numbers. It'd be great to see the action plans. It would also be a great discussion within the HR circles and, and within those leadership ranks to maybe talk a little bit more about about that employee that could go from high school to career. Yep. What do they not need? They don't need that candidate doesn't need $120,000 worth of debt for them to be qualified. They need a fire in the belly and a willingness to learn and a good attitude. And if they come to the table with that and you've got a great training structure and you can put something in place to make them effective and something that's going to be striving to be the best for the future. Why cut that short? Why?
3: So here's the thing, JC. Way too many people focus when hiring, interviewing, way too many people focus on credentials and not enough focus on behavior. You can have all the credentials in the world, but if you don't show the results and behavior that the hiring authority needs to see as a result of those credentials, you might as well not have them to begin with. Conversely, what if you don't have those credentials and in the interview process, the hiring authority sees that you are able to produce that behavior, that results that they're looking for? They should be hired. Now, obviously, the legal field, sciences, that's completely different, right? Because you need certifications when when people's liars are going to be affected. We need to have that there. Maybe. No, yes. I don't think I want I wouldn't want somebody to operate on my heart that learn how to do so on a YouTube video. I'm sorry. I want that person
1: to be the top maybe. of their class. Maybe. <laughs> no. Maybe. Talk to me. Why maybe? No. Yeah. It depends <laughs> on the it depends on the it depends on the certification.
3: They learn on YouTube, bro. <laughs>
1: I'm I'm not using YouTube. What if they went to, like, uh, the Guadalajara School of Medicine? How would you feel about that? You know what? I'm being honest you'd, because you'd be I know surprised. something about Guadalajara.
3: You'd be surprised how many great medical schools are outside of the United States.
1: Guadalajara School of Medicine is one of the top ones out there, and, and especially in, in Mexico. And when people come here with a degree from there, they're mm-hmm. shunned. And some people laugh about it, thinking that they learned how to do it on YouTube. And really what it is, it's their own stereotype at the end of the day when they're going through that interview process or trying to get the candidate in a good spot. Their med school is top-notch. See? They, uh, so to do know that, in the future, imagine <laughs> a world of COVID, okay? Mm-hmm. Imagine more robots, okay? And now Elon Musk is ingrained in your head with one of those things, okay? And now you've just done 16 years of school in your bedroom. You're very thin. You mm-hmm. don't walk a lot. Muscle... Your muscle density is very small. But you're amazing behind a keyboard and and a joystick. And you are the best robot controller out there. And you just learned how to do heart surgery remotely while drinking Code Red in mom's basement. (laughs) I laugh now. It's the the possibility of the future. I was going to say, I'm laughing
3: about it now. I would have laughed more about that
1: five years ago. To the future. I'm serious. You got to think so, about these things. No, no. You're not wrong. because I know I'm, I'm not wrong. A lot less. I don't need different- your validation. I feel comfortable with who I am now. I don't now. Yeah, before. <laughs> now, before it was really, a different uh, ball of wax. Yeah. Now, now yeah, you're really comfortable.
3: <laughs> no, I could totally see that. In about 10 years, can you imagine somebody just performs brain surgery on your head remotely minutes after they just finished playing Call of Duty? Oh. Like minutes
1: after. Check <laughs> this out. Imagine... You know? Someone doing someone doing your weeklies or your monthly financials after they just took a YouTube video on how to do it. <laughs> oh, God. Why are you laughing? Because there's nothing it wrong happens with
3: that. right now. No, I learned how to do pivot tables I'm table not talking
1: about you. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. there it is. So, yeah. why is YouTube the bane of our existence? YouTube should be embraced. It should, because people think that
3: a formal education is the way it used to be, and that's the always the, how it's always going to Here, be. Here's
1: the, here's the bane of the existence. If they learned how to do heart surgery on TikTok from one video, you got issues. There's a problem there. There's a 60-second time limit. That's all we know, you know? But if you're going to learn on the YouTube, I mean, you do what you do. I mean, things are going to change in the future.
3: In the future! I can
1: see,
3: I can see those commercials right now. I want... Like, Heart surgery, less than 60 seconds in and out. Come see me. I got a Groupon. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Like Better better Call Saul. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) All right. Uh, You've got one opportunity to ask me one question, anything you want. Just bring it right now. Wow. Wow. Clock's ticking. Five. Here Here we go. Three.
3: What is the most impactful thing that you went through in your two or three week hiatus from the show?
1: Wow, that's a very tough question. Uh, Looking back over the span of time, I I would have to say it was learning to watch things happen more and say things less. Mm -hmm. And that was so impactful. Uh, A dear friend of mine uh, shared that advice with me. And don't get me wrong, I always approach situations with open ears and open eyes. If you know me, you know that I, I look at world a, a, a little more holistically. And I, I like to believe that I do a good to, a good job through my span of time of, of actually listening to people, active listening, right? It's part of the reason why I'm so good on this show. It's why I am amazing, right? Right, Rick? Right? I'm listening. <laughs> A-hole. All right. <laughs> but when, when people get into it a little bit, while you may have a lot to contribute of value to that conversation, it's a matter of sometimes deciding whether or not you got a dog in the fight and whether or not it's even worth your time. Mm. And sometimes you're better off just not bothering. Watch it like TV. Save your comments for the end or for a different time. Let things transpire. Hmm. I was always more a believer in active participation, in radical candor, in good discussions, um, and I still am. But there is definitely something of value to be said for yeah, just kicking back, let things happen, see where see see where it lies, see where you have to putt from in a minute or two, because there's nothing that you could say or do to change a course of action in certain circumstances other than share opinions with people to your left and right. Yep. And that really just helps grow consensus and, and, helps build bonds and relationships. But to this person's point, maybe it's not the time to do that. Maybe you'll be able to make some decisions through the process of just watching and then being able to chime in from a different perspective without being an active participant during that time. It's kind of interesting. So that that was impactful to me. I'm still kind of working through that a little bit. It's it's intriguing when you get into that thought process, Rick. So I get that. Let me ask you a follow-up. I said one question.
3: (laughs) No, but this is still part of the same one. All
1: right, fair enough, go ahead.
3: You personally, do you feel it's important to explain your rationale.
1: It depends who you're talking to. We're talking case by case basis. We're talking about your level of effort and, and the way that you're interacting with someone and what you're working on at that time or what the nature of the conversation is. I don't think you always have to explain it though. Got it.
3: I'm asking that, uh, cause I was having a conversation similar to what you just said with somebody a couple of weeks ago. And this person told me, Ricky, You have no obligation to explain your rationale to anybody. And I thought about that. I took a step back and I I respectfully disagreed. Because if you don't take the time to explain what you meant, then you're letting the other person walk away with a different
1: message than what you intended to communicate in the first place. But if you're not going to change their perspective... And there's no room for growth in the relationship. Mm-hmm. And what you're listening to maybe wasn't even directed at you. Eh, maybe you just watch it like TV.
3: You don't yell at the TV? I've seen you yell at the TV when the, when the refs call a bad call on the bills. So I don't want to hear that. <laughs> I've seen you, bro. <laughs> no, but wouldn't you know that? Wouldn't you? I get what you saying? Situational. Situational. Yeah, I get it. So so I guess what I'm saying is, is that you would know exactly what you said after conversing. And then at some point, then you have to make a decision to say, you know what? I'm not going to change this person's mind. I'm going to park my car. Boom, done. Yeah. Just say it's 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 a interesting perspective, especially with what's happening right
1: now. It's interesting to talk about. It's another thing to do. It's really hard to do at first. Yeah, especially when when you're more outgoing, when you feel that you can connect with people more as you talk and listen to them and and share and trade thoughts and ideas. And then it's it's also even more interesting when the people that you're interacting with think that you're just blowing them off altogether because you're just watching or listening (laughs) actively, but maybe not participating as much. See, to me, I think it gets cold after a certain period of time and it shows a disinterest, but I don't know. I'm working with it, trying to see where it goes. Hey, guess what? Uh-oh. It's time for Current Events! Current Events this week, brought to you in part by the A1A Beachfront Studios that are actually closer to a trench than a beach. <laughs> Your first article today is coming from bamnow.com. That's Now dot com. Gotta love the name Bamnow. <laughs> they got a feral cat problem down there. Kathy Styles down in Alabama. Freeland, Kathy Styles, Freeland. She works part-time. Part-time as a feral cat project coordinator at the Alabama Spay Neuter Clinic in Irondale. Her position involves overseeing the TNR program. That's trapping feral cats, sending them to get spayed or neutered and returning them to the streets. TNR. She's been trapping feral cats since 2008. When she started, she was a little girl. Ever since she was a child, Kathy always wanted to trap cats. She wanted to rescue them. However, back then, Spain neutering your pets, really wasn't an option. Allegedly, according to this article, talking about 2008, but if you're old like me, you remember Bob Barker talking about that at the end of every show. All cats spay and to your cats. Remember? Oh them? god! Yeah. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. At the yeah. end of every single episode of Price Is Right, you're like spay new to my cats. I got to look that up. What's that mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's not new. It's new to a millennial, but it's not new. <laughs> it's okay. I'm gonna buy a cat just so I can spay it. When when Kathy became a young adult, <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're a mess. I'm doing what Bob Barker tells me. You're doing your part. Kathy learned about the importance of spaying and neutering, and despite the uh, the expense, she started having a veterinarian do surgery on her own cats. Later, Kathy bought a cat trap and began setting it in her yard when she noticed how many strays and feral cats wandered about because of her bird feeders. After capturing all the cats, she'd take them to be fixed. As you can imagine, it's not an inexpensive task. A major turning point for Kathy was in 2008. She got a flyer in the mail announcing the opening of a not-for-profit Alabama spay neuter clinic in Irondale. She couldn't believe it. Finally, there was a place I could take the animals to have them spayed or neutered. One, because there was actually a low-cost spay neuter clinic in Birmingham, and two, it was conveniently located near where she lived. She thought the cat goddess ultimately sent her a gift. At the end of the day, it wasn't long before Kathy became a regular client at the Alabama Spay Neuter Clinic in Irondale, which I think is the formal name of the place, the Spain, the Alabama Spay Neuter Clinic in Irondale. I think you can't say the name without saying Irondale, but that's fine. In 09, sure. she retired after her second stint as Ruffner Mountain Nature Center's executive director. With more time on her hands, Kathy expanded her reach to begin trapping cats in the Southeast Lake community of Alabama. Today, Kathy has three trap locations in that area. She served as a feral cat project coordinator in Alabama Spay Neuter Clinic for six years. While it's obvious she's always been the best person for the job, the job was offered to her after tackling a massive undertaking in Chilton County. Chilton's had a lot of feral cats. A lot going on there. And now they have Kathy to help out. <coughs> Look. Very big article here. Highly recommend it. BAMnow.com, B-H-A-M-N-O-W.com. Google feral cat, Kathy. You're going to find this article. She goes in depth on how it starts, how you could do this yourself, starting from a phone call, Uh, the subject and location, getting them identified, transporting the cats to the clinic, the spaying, the neutering, how it takes place, and then returning them back to the wild you got to be asking yourself right now, JC, why are you bringing this up? Why is it so important? And it says it right right in the story. You know, (laughs) studies at the end of the day have shown that TNR is the best solution to reduce the number of cats. And there are many, many areas within the United States right now where the feral cat population is a little bit out of control, believe it or not. You might not think so, but uh, if you've ever been to Ocala, you know what I'm talking about. So as... As we continue to approach these issues, it's something to stay cognizant about. It's it's good for the community. It's good for everyone involved. And if you are someone like Kathy, willing to step up to the plate and and help out, help the cats and your environment, there's definitely room for that growth within your area. Her information on how to reach her is available in the article. There's a lot of other programs out there, especially in Florida and in the Southeast Uh different funds, places where you could donate, ASPCAs, helping out, et cetera. I don't advocate for any single one of them. But uh, the future of cat trapping ultimately at the end of the day, is, it's a big deal. Okay? And she is now in her mid-70s. She's looking to pass that torch. She's She could barely lift a 15-pound angry tomcat now. And she's, a, she's slowing down. You're laughing, Rick, but I'm serious. The goal right now is to train more volunteers to do this good work so that okay. people like Kathy could retire. You have to pass the torch. You have to pass the torch. Spay and neuter your cats, ladies and gentlemen. Spay. You fighting the fight. And neuter your cats.
3: Yes. We should say at the end of every show, just do what Barbara did. Spay and neuter your cats. That's it. That should be the end of the show.
1: Your current events continue right here, with Veterans Day coming up. This article is coming to us from Forbes. General Atomics and Boeing's new liquid laser could win a high energy weapon race. Liquid lasers have been a thing of like uh, what you would think to be Star Wars in the future. And the military has been striving to build a laser powerful enough to make an effective weapon. Literally since the first Ruby laser was uh, ever demonstrated back in the 1960s. Well, now guess what? General Atomics is working with Boeing. To finally realize the goal of a truly weapons-grade laser using a new liquid laser technology to break through the barrier holding back current devices as they build the lasers. Now, the original Ruby laser had an output of a fraction of a watt. It couldn't be scaled up whatsoever. There's been many other types of lasers that have been developed over the last 60 years with generous military funding channeled into those endeavors. To build the weapons, the gas dynamic laser, which resembled a lasing reaction taking place inside a rocket motor, it was highly classified in the 1970s. One researcher actually joked that the best way to harm an enemy with such a massive laser was to literally drop it on them. Chemical lasers, like it was so heavy, like if you shot the laser at them, it wouldn't do anything, but like literally drop the device on them. You'd hurt them more, Right
3: that's <laughs> if it's full of water and lasers.
1: Yeah, right? right. So chemical lasers, it, it chemical lasers draw energy from a chemical reaction and provided even more power per pound. And it, it brought a lot of interest forward, billions of dollars in funding in the Star Wars era. Chemical <laughs> laser development culminated with a giant experimental airborne laser system. It was mounted on a Boeing seven forty seven with the intent of shooting down missiles with lasers. You come forward even a little bit further. We're talking crossing the boundary of 10 kilowatt, 20 kilowatt, and now 50 kilowatt uh, kilowatt power levels. Into the future. So, the U.S. Navy has already fielded the shipment of 30 kilowatt LAWS laser weapons and is now developing the 150 kilowatt Helios. The U.S. Air Force is working on a defensive weapon for aircraft known as S.H.I.E.L.D. Self-protect high-energy laser demonstrator, which may eventually protect F-35s from missiles. Mm. These are not the lasers of years past. Pushing the 100-kilowatt barrier is a big deal. And as General Atomics pushes forward with funding from DARPA, they're going to be doing some amazing things. So this is ultimately, for you ladies and gentlemen, my Veterans Day story for you. 150-kilowatt lasers... Weighing in at six thousand kilos. They're struggling right now. They're kilo. gonna push the kilowatt band over two hundred. And then at that point, liquid lasers are likely to take over everything. And that means the future's bright. Maybe megawatt bright. Over to you.
3: Wasn't Doc Brown freaking out about three point two one gigawatts or kilowatts to bring Marty back to the future? I forget that. Yeah. What it was. Yeah. So this is a lot, right? In comparison.
1: Yeah, we're a lot. we're just about at the point of Back to the Future, energy, in nineteen fifty-five. Yeah. Got it. Okay. No, not in Got fifty-five. It. Today. Today, pushing that boundary, boundary and barrier today. Very, very good what, things.
3: I think we are going to be. We you, you and I are going to see a time where those Star Wars like Star Trek like uh, laser gun battles—we're going to see that. That's coming up. Whereas 30 years ago, I, we laughed at Star Wars and uh, Star Trek, how they would communicate via the uh, 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 transponder and see and see the person. And we see it right now with FaceTime. So it's getting there. We yeah. are getting there. I'm just wondering if we're going to be able to
1: actually see it.
3: Well, I want
1: it, It's going to be great. End of the day, it comes down to alien disclosure and where things reside. I think you know. <laughs>
0: Florida
1: Man Stories Florida Man Stories Coming at you live here on the HR Talk Podcast This first one's coming from CNN.com After years of poor eyesight Eye strain, loss in vision And difficulty with contact lenses Craig Hershoff invented a robot That he hopes will help people With dexterity issues Insert and remove their own contact lenses Hershoff He was diagnosed with uh, Fuchs dystrophy in 2000, and almost lost his eyesight. He received three three corneal transplants in 10 years. After struggling with his eyesight for years, Hershoff discovered a special type of contact lens called scleral lenses, and they helped him enormously. However, when his wife passed away, Hershoff went through a period of anxiety, which caused his hands to shake while inserting and removing his contacts. And that's when the bulb went off. He began developing a robot that's going to help you change your contact lenses. The Clara Lens robot is currently undergoing clinical trials, and Hershoff hopes to have the device ready for commercial use as soon as next year. It will require approval from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, though. Ultimately, he thinks this could really help a lot of people. Anyone with a tremor or neurological disorder could definitely... Or, or anyone who's afraid of even touching their eyeballs will benefit from this. Hirschhoff, a true Florida man. Um, I got a better idea.
3: This is a device called reading glasses. If you put those on, right, you don't have to put on contact lenses. I'm sure that robot is going to cost hundreds if not thousands of dollars. And I don't know if I would trust artificial intelligence with something as so delicate as my eye. I don't know if I want to do that. What if you do not calibrate it properly? Just pokes your eye and it pops. I don't know about that.
1: Story. Your next Florida man story and your last news article of the day. This has come from NewYorkDailyNews.com. A Florida man was arrested this week after allegedly suffering a lettuce related meltdown. According to the smoking gun report on Friday, Henry Ars Caballero, 49, has been hit with misdemeanor charges of disorderly conduct in an establishment, as well as resisting an officer without violence for the incident late Wednesday when he hit the windows of a Tampa Bay area checkers restaurant. <laughs> a criminal complaint notes the man was yelling and screaming at employees who then had, quote, fear for their safety, end quote. Because, as authorities say, quote, he was upset that the store had no more lettuce for the sandwiches, end quote. Cops arrived at the scene around 11.30 p.m. to find uh, the gentleman in his car, denying the allegations and refusing to identify him. A patrolman said that the guy was removed from his car. He was very uncooperative. The gentleman has since been released from county jail on his own recognizance. But, the story does not tell us whether or not he was able to get lettuce. Back to you. I mean, I'm sure they have lettuce in jail.
3: So <laughs> there we go. Happy ending to the story. <laughs> I'm sure that he's 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 happy now. Um, I what it's we need a show on mental breakdowns. Seriously, we do need a show on mental health. Because I don't know of any other reason why he would have gone off
1: like that. When we do life. that show, I don't want it to be just you and me. We actually need a licensed person on the line to like talk about credible things. You and I could talk about it until we're blue in the I, face, but we we need we need a pro. Okay? We do. What call your therapist. See if they'll come on with us.
3: Uh, no, this the show would be like four days long. <laughs> no, bro. I'm not calling my therapist. And over.
1: We just learned you have a therapist.
3: Yeah. Got it. There you go.
1: Hey, <laughs> nothing wrong with
3: that. That's on you. Nothing wrong with that, man. No, seriously. No, you know what, though? Um, here's the thing. I don't have one now. I used to have one back in the day. Um, and I, that's why I'm a big advocate. Rick, for I, was,
1: I was only kidding around. But yeah, no, 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 I'm with you. I'm with you. No, I'm
3: serious. I'm serious. It's a,
1: it's a big deal.
3: It and I commend you
1: for stepping up and taking care of yourself.
3: No, thank you. Seriously. So that's why I, I'm big on the Employee Assistance Program, EAP. I'm really big on that because that helps. <laughs>
1: it. It helps <laughs> Oh, so uh, it's, the, it's the biggest joke around the office. Come on. We've got the EAP. There's three extra people that you could call now. I ain't picking up the friggin' phone. I'm going to be on hold for two hours, and I got to get back to work. I only got a 15-minute break. When do I have time? They're only open till 5. But We the, need EAP reform. But we have the EAP program. Okay, let me take a day's vacation to call EAP. Yeah, it's fine.
3: It does need some help. It does.
1: Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> ah, <yippee-y-y-y-y-y. Wom-wom. laughs> hey, it's time for final thoughts. Going around the room. Um, uh, let's start with you, Ricky. Final thoughts.
3: Bro, you know, it's um it's awesome to have you back. Um it's awesome to be back to into the groove of things that way we can get back to real real HR issues like you and I are used to. But um now that we are coming to the end of 2020, this is the time where we start getting more gracious, the gratitude starts to come out. And I'm just, it, it, it just makes me sad that we have to wait for the holidays to really, truly show gratitude. So this is my challenge to everybody. As we go into the holiday season, um, let's try to go above and beyond that gratitude meter past the holiday season. Let's do it in January. Let's do it in February. Let's continue to do it until we don't have to wait till the end to the end of the year to be kind and cordial to, to each other.
1: Those are my final thoughts. Over here, I uh, just want to say, um, it's been a pleasure being back today. It uh, feels good to knock the dust off, get things settled and ready for the amazing journey that's about to come. With that being said, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, uh, please feel free to reach out anytime. We're certainly listening and more than happy to either work with you or have you on. A lot of today's stories involve uh, very specific private sector employers. Uh, so, to that, uh, we did our best to not say who they are. It's been our pleasure to be here for you today. Ricky, what are some of the best ways that people can find us, please?
3: 407 or We are all over social media HR Talk Podcast on Twitter, HR Talk Podcast on TikTok. Talk. HR Talk Podcast on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Come find us and give us a like. Let us know how you what you think of the show on your
1: favorite podcast platform. On behalf of Ricky Bias, the entire crew, I'm JC. It's been a pleasure to be here for you. Drive safe. Have a good night.
3: Can you be fired by a therapist?